Welcome back, Crusaders. This week we're talking about some movies and uh, some uh, movie experience games. Uh, but first, as always, I'm joined by my co-host here, Courtney. Hello, Ian. So first off, we're going to talk about an uh, animated film that played at the Cannes Film Festival last year. Got like a 14-minute standing ovation. It's pretty huge animated film um, that landed. It was pretty big. People were talking about it on YouTube. And they kind of fell off the radar after a while. I believe it released in theaters in February. February on home video, like around like April or so, um, in the in the U.S. Uh, the film's called uh, Bell. Um, it was an animated film um, based kind of on the Beauty and the Beast storyline, but that's very roughly based. Yeah, very roughly based. It's more like it has callbacks to that constantly. And then it comes into its own story by the end of the third act. Um, it's the third highest grossing fil uh, Japanese film in 2021, bringing in $63.8 million. Um, the thing with this anime is that the, anim the animation is really beautiful. Uh, and it's really artful in, in itself. And they do a good job of combining 2D anim traditional animation with 3D an animation. So... Um, like we said, the story is very loosely inspired by Beauty and the Beast. We say loosely because it has its own story and plot and themes other than what Beauty and the Beast had. It's just Beauty and the Beast imagery thrown on top of this other story, kind of. Mm -hmm. um, so overall, what did you originally think of it? I thought it was visually really beautiful. Um, Story-wise, I'm kind of mixed. Like, the first, I would say, 30 to about 45 minutes, it was trying to find exactly what story it wants to take on, whether it's the, you know, girl trying to find herself and be confident in herself to, oh, okay, we're going to have her become this heroine to this uh, imaginary beast guy. And it's, I don't know, it was a little... A little wonky for me. Yeah, I feel like it starts off really weird where they don't know exactly know exactly how they want to start. Because, like, the first few minutes of the story is that, hey... You're in the... You're in the real world, which is how they how they did is the real world is, like, in 2D, and the internet world is in 3D. And it blends really well, so you can tell the difference of where people are at, basically. But basically, in this internet world where you can be your true self, she's she's become this huge musical diva. Like everybody wants to go see and all that, and the movie starts off with like everybody have has just discovered her real identity, and she's running to try and get to her friends and trying to figure out what to do with all this. But then it kind of cuts back to further back in time, to like when she was a child and she was uh, very close with her mother, and her mother was like a musician of some sort because she had a bunch of mixing equipment and whatnot. And she kind of like helped foster her uh, love for music, but then they go like on a camping trip. And basically, this is, ends up being the under theme of the whole film is that uh, her mother sacrifices herself to go save a stranger kid who gets stuck on, like, kind of a outcropping during a river flooding. So she takes a, a life vest, jumps in the river, swims across, and tries to save this kid. But uh, I think she ends up saving the kid, but ends up getting swept away in the river and dying. So then our main character, uh, 
Suzu? Yes, Suzu. Suzu. Uh, ends up uh, resenting her mother and her love of singing because, like, how they portray is all the adults are like, oh, why did you, why would she sacrifice herself for someone else when she has her own kid? That's so, like, not the not the cool thing to do. How dare she abandon her child? So she grows up feeling like she was abandoned instead of, like, her mom did the right thing. Yeah. But then she rediscovers her love of singing and she doesn't have to hide it when she's in this uh, virtual world. Yeah, it's like basically like there's a new version of the internet, which is you can basically take an image of yourself, upload it, and it will kind of create an avatar for you. But then also bases it on your inner strengths and not necessarily what your physical looks are. So basically this is supposed to be a, a virtual world where you, where your true self will shine. Um, it's kind of weird because like she's the only human being looking person really other than like I think the police force well at least some of the police force like one guy the people like the main guy in the police force is like human everyone else is like an animal mixed weird looking thing yeah well and then the other diva who like doesn't even come to play that much is also humanoid yeah as well so it doesn't really declare like who's human and who's not like and or how like some people are like these little floating creatures or, or fish. fish or like how does that determine what you look like? Yeah. It's also where, because the way Suzu does it, she takes a class photo of her and her friends. And so it composites a face based off of everyone in the photo and like the popular girl and the other pe- girls in the photo. So like the only thing of her, her avatar is really her. Other than her voice is basically the freckles that she has under her eyes, um, which looks like, face paint more than freckles but yeah um well it's also like there's there's some artistic interpretation here too because like the beast supposed to have bruises on his back and it looks really weird yeah like they don't look like bruises at all it just looks like splotches of paint yeah um but that's supposed to represent bruises and everyone everyone else sees it as bruises except like you the viewer because like that looks like art paint not uh, what a bruise looks like but anyway she her friend convinces her to get into this program. She goes it. She creates this persona, Belle, and she feels the confidence to be able to sing again. And in doing so, she what I do like is that they kind of show, hey, there's, she has haters, and then she has people who love her love her music. And then she ends up becoming some big musical diva, which they kind of fast forward through. Like, yeah, it's just like one day she sang, the next day she's doing a huge concert on the internet for for billions of people to watch her sing. Yeah, but this is supposed to take place like over the course of like about six months or a year, I would say. Yeah, but it just it glosses over that like so quick. It's like, oh, we'll just drop this like kind of growth. Yeah, because I feel like what they really wanted to focus on was the music. But it also feels like it has it's enough music. music in it. Either. Yeah, it doesn't have enough songs in there to be considered a musical, and it's like only maybe one or one or like there's three songs. Maybe like one is really good, and the second one's like okay, and third one's kind of like meh. But like then while she's doing this giant concert or about to do this giant concert, this is where the Beauty and the Beast stuff comes in because it's another character. The Beast basically crashes the party. We have no idea why. I'm assuming he's being chased by the police force because in this internet world, there is no moderation. It's it's policed by its users, which has the other really crazy idea where the, the policing by the users concept is that if you break the rules or you're being an asshole, they're going to grab you and then they're going to re- reveal who you are, which basically they're going to dox you. And you're supposed to feel embarrassed because they're going to reveal to the world that you're just a loser keyboard warrior and not the badass persona that you've created for this internet world. Which 
in itself is kind of weird. It's like you're gonna let people just dox each other when they feel like yeah, it. Yeah, that's a little. Mm. But I guess that's the punishment in this world. But basically, the beast breaks in, and all you hear about him is that he's on the martial arts fighting uh, server usually and fighting people. And I guess it seemed to me that he was chased in there, kind of by the police force, and the concert kind of gets stopped while like they have their their face off, and this huge fight breaks out. And he kicks everybody's ass, and then he takes off. Yeah. Why Belle is so obsessed with him kind of doesn't make any sense. But she is infatuated with finding out who he is, which is also where it's like, oh, who is this guy? Nobody knows who he is. Let's go fucking dox him and figure out who he is. Yeah. It's like, it's why? Like, he's just a fighting guy, really. <laughs> yeah, and the only explanation they really give is that in the real world, the aunties like tell her, oh, she's in love with somebody, probably a bad boy. You always love a bad boy because you want to try and fix him. And they tell like some small story about how one of the old ladies was in love with a bad boy at one point. But it's like, that's the only, only reason you get why she's obsessed with him. Because otherwise, there's no real reason to give a shit who this guy is. Yeah. Um, but the story, and that's where like the Beauty and Beast stuff comes in. Because what they start doing is they start giving homages to not only the Beauty and Beast story, but to like the Disney version. Like you see, she finds this castle. They have like a dancing scene in the castle that's very reminiscent to the Disney uh, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, there's, I think, a flower. Oh, is there a rose in the yeah, glass case? Yeah, there's a rose like in the glass case. But it's like there's no story of Beauty and the Beast of her being kidnapped or having to be forced to stay there or anything like that. It basically takes the position of, well, you know what the Beauty and the Beast story is, so you fill in the blanks. Here's the imagery that goes with it. And that's kind of weird because the story's not even Beauty and the Beast at that point. Um, it doesn't even come into play really at all, except for the scene where they have their ballroom dance and she sings to them with like the their special song that she created. Yeah, and the weird thing is like I don't know about you because the whole time everybody's the whole mystery of this movie is like who's the Beast, who's the Beast, and I was thinking for the most part maybe it's her father. Because they lost her mother and she kind of shut down and became very introverted. Her father the whole time was like trying to like get bring her out, bring her out, trying to do stuff with her, trying, trying to be a good father. And she keeps shutting him down. Mm-hmm. And like and then she acts when she describes her relationship, like, oh yeah, you know, we just don't get along. It's like, well, he's trying and you're not. Like he's reaching out and you keep t- pulling away. So yeah. I kept thinking that maybe the beast was her father this whole time. Um, but that doesn't end up, uh, end up being the case. It, like I said, by the third act, this takes its whole new storyline, which actually ends up being really good. Yeah, I prefer the third act. It's like, why couldn't you like Make- take that and like had it throughout the whole story? You know, yeah. it's just like they didn't know exactly what they wanted the story to be, and they just kind of like piece together. Like, okay, the first act's going to be all about how she became this pop star diva which they don't really go into that they just kind of gloss over it yeah she just has an amazing singing voice though. yeah and then the second act it's like oh we're going to do this like beauty and beast type thing and have her infatuated with this but again it's lost over and just it skips so much of why she wants to do this stuff we never really see yeah the third act is where he said the story is its own where it becomes hey they find out who the beast is it ends up being uh, a kid who is being abused by his father. He's protecting his little brother. Um, they end up trying to f- uh, end up going trying to find him, and it's, it's kind of nice that it doesn't turn into like a love story. That this high school kid is uh, is now infatuated with like this little kid who's uh, taking a beating from his father to protect his little brother, who's kind of like sick and catatonic sometimes. 
Um, it's nice that when they do find each other, it's just like, hey, I'm going to protect you, and we're friends, not like in a yeah. love interest way. So it plays out really nicely there, and it plays nicely that like her friends who know who she is, and like um, the aunties and whatnot, everybody who also interacts in this internet world, kind of help her find out who he is and help her get to get to him and even her father just understand like hey i'm gonna i gotta go do this thing and he lets her go to go do it without, without freaking out about it because she basically has to go from a small town to tokyo it's i don't it's not like okinawa that she's from but it's like the very southern i would say like maybe osaka osaka's like a two-hour train trip maybe to tokyo yeah but it looked like it was a lot longer than two hours yeah i mean like she had because if it was a two-hour she left in the evening. She got there at, the, at night, though. She kind of got there in the afternoon. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... I mean, that's why the auntie couldn't drive her. Yeah, so... so these, I think she was, like, on an island or something. It had to take, like, a train and then, like, yeah. probably a ferry and then, like, another train. Basically, through some internet sleuthing, they figure out through an image on the webcam, possibly where he's at. One of the friends who is with the Comic Relief, like, had been there for his, like, rowing competition. So she goes there and luckily finds them. And kind of like, oh, it's good. But I think what thing is that this movie focuses a lot on its visuals because the 3D world is very beautiful. And they did basically make just music videos with their, with the songs. Yeah. Where they do all these crazy visuals, a lot like Paprika. But Paprika had a constant story flowing all the way through it. Where, like I said, the first act is interesting. Music's good. Second act has some good, cool visuals. But the story doesn't really come together till the third act. Um, so I'd say that's where the flaw is at. But... For animated movie in these times, I would say we haven't had something like Paprika in over ten years. You haven't really had a Musaki film since what Ponyo? No, and, no, he did another one. It was there's a couple that that have come out, but like they've been kind of criticized because they've been more. I think a few more political things. They had like one one war one World War One one or something or World War Two one. I forget, but it's not as like they weren't as magical as Spirited Away or Ponyo or any of that stuff. So I think. Everybody was just starving for like really good crisp animation and decent music uh, that we haven't had in a while because mostly animes nowadays are all isekai animes where like so and so wakes up in a wor- different world and has to learn to survive there or their slice of life animes or their harem animes whether they're harem for women or harem for men they're all like kind of blasé and boring and all focused the same on story same yeah it's all the same stuff. Where this is definitely a little bit different, it's just as I feel like most Asian cinema, like they get they throw so many ideas into one thing and they just don't always fit completely. Yeah, they just needed to find like a way to get their puzzle pieces to fit a lot better, and then I, I think the story would have hit out of the park. Yeah, because I feel like well, you're watching and you go through the second act, you're starting to lose interest, and then by the time the third act picks up, you're like, oh wow, this is interesting. What's going on? Yeah, so it pulls you back in. Uh, right when you're about to like, uh, this is kind of like going nowhere because you're the whole time. I said the second act, you're like, okay, so are they going to explain this Beauty and the Beast thing, or are they just like, is this going to pay off? And it does. I I'm happy that it does pay off and in a different way. Than yeah, the traditional Beauty and the Beast. I do too. Like I said, I I the whole time thought it was going to be her father, and then she realized I like, know he really does care or something, and like. The bruises on his back that they're all obsessed with is like his pain of dealing with his wife's loss and her, but they went a different route, which still fit. Um, but and by the end, uh, Suzu is uh, actually no no longer an introvert. She's 
willing to be out there because I guess the whole way to to reveal who the beast was and kind of like get him to reach out to her one last time so they could find him was she had to get revealed to everybody who she really was and then she kept, still kept singing. Yeah, she which kind of herself. Which is kind of made the funny thing where the guy's like, "Wait, you're you've been revealed. You should be embarrassed." It's like, "Well, why would you be embarrassed if you have good talent?" It's it's a ridiculous thing to be embarrassed yeah. about uh her, your natural look. So, overall like do I think it deserved the 14 minute of standing ovation I got? I think it's because in today's times there's not good anime movies. Mm-hmm. Like they're either uh, movies are that are like based off of an existing thing, anime, which is a series, and they're just doing like here's a stopgap in between seasons, or they're elongated main of stories that are just like I said, isekais or harems or romance or slice of life stuff, which is also getting boring. We don't have any more like really good adventure stories because even like stuff that. Like was Cowboy Bebop or even um, Outlaw Star stuff. Enemies that start off like that today turn into a slice of life harem romance bullshit story that we've seen all all the time. Yeah, I wish we get back to like where we had the Big O and uh, what they used to have in the early in the late nineties. Yeah, that you know Joss Whedon ripped off. <laughs> all right, so. Now flip into uh, something a little bit different. We're going to talk about some games that are also kind of like movie experiences. Uh, Two of them kind of came out recently. One was a little bit uh, earlier this summer uh, called The Quarry, which is made by uh, Supermassive, which are the same people who did Until Dawn and uh, Man of Medan and the Dark Pictures uh, Uh, anthology series. Although, um, really, Until Till Dawn and this one feel like their their best games. Where Man of Dawn was okay, except for the concept that everything was kind of an illusion put off by this uh, toxic gas, which makes when you realize that's kind of what's going on, it makes you realize, okay, so I just have to complete these these tasks and make sure I don't kill whoever I'm fighting because it's an illusion, right? And then um, A New Hope turned out to be a, a whole thing in somebody's head, not a real, not anything real, which kind of bummed people out. I did not play the third one, which was like the military people in the dark cave situation, just because it used some of the same actors from A New Hope, uh, or from, yeah, I think it's called New Hope. Yeah. Uh, from the, a Little Hope. A Little Hope, um, which they weren't very good actors to begin with. And I, well, they were just okay. Yeah, and the, the story just wasn't good, so I didn't feel like the next story would be worth my in, my invest of my money. But uh, the quarry though goes back to Ruth until dawn. It's a it comes off like a slasher horror film with teenagers out in the wo- out in the woods in a camp, um, just kind of like how Until Dawn was teenagers out of a cabin in the woods and supernatural shit starts happening. So what's uh, really cool about this is that it's like they took the for- formula from Until Dawn and they added more things to it. So you can play the game as normal. You can play the game online with your friends. You play the game on the couch okay. with your friends. Yeah. And then you could do movie mode, which is fun. That where you could take each character and set them a little differently, have a more pacifist or a little more aggressive, and then watch how that would play out without you having to move the controller. Yeah, that's called the director's mode. And what it lets you do is just, like Courtney says, just set up their personalities traits. So I'll give you a list of different traits and say, hey, is this person in a, in a panic situation calm or are they panicky or something like that? So you set the traits and you just watch like a two or three half hour movie, or probably like three. No, hours. no, it's. it's- like a four-hour movie, depending on how 
the people react and yeah because what it does it just cuts out your wandering around for stuff, basically. Yeah, you're looking. And just plays the cutscenes as they go. But <clears throat> based on your decisions, they're going to be based on whether or not they find items and clues, or they skip over it and go further forward. Then they have a movie mode called Gorefest, <laughs> where it just will play it out, and you'll see like probably the most gruesome deaths possible that people can have. But they also have two other modes for movie mode, which is like you just say everybody lives or everybody dies, and it'll play through it that way. And then they also added features for like, hey, here's a 1980s costume set for for everybody. So they'll be in like 1980s clothes. Here's a indie film filter. Here's an 80s filter. So it'll look like it's on a VHS tape that you're watching. So it gives you like lots of different ways to experience the story. And it's kind of cool to play through it once yourself and then kind of watch how uh, these other choices are made through the movie mode. Um, or even play it online with like your Twitch audience, kind of like chiming what you should pick and whatnot. Um, but I thought it was uh, was really fun to play. Um, it's about what ten uh ten chapters, and I think it's about like a ten hour uh journey playing it through it. Be up to ten hours. Again, it depends on who lives and who dies during your time of play. Well, I say we got everybody to survive. At yes. least we, at least the campers to survive. Yeah, which is what the achievement was for everyone survives. Yeah, was to keep all campers alive. Yeah, I think you can keep some of the hillbilly family alive. To, well, to other choices. I don't think you can't you can't keep them all obviously, but I think you can keep some of them alive mm-hmm. and have other outcomes. But um, our playthrough was about nine and a half hours of just us going through it. So, a good, like, long, like, have your friends over for a whole day, barbecue and stuff, and play the game like that. So, if you're going to have, like, couch co-op with friends. Um, or you can make it, like, a two-night yeah. type uh, game night. Um, other cool thing is that this game has lots of, like, well-known uh, kind of kid actors. Not kid actors, but well-known actors who play the teenagers. Um, Skylar Siscondo uh, is a character who played, who was in books. He was... He was the nerdy kid that was handing out iPads and everything in Booksmart to try and buy friends. Yeah. Um, Ted Raimi, who's Sam Raimi's brother, he's been in tons of TV shows from Sequest to ER to, I think, even The Librarian. He's usually playing a nerdy character, but here he's kind of a menacing cop. I loved him in this role. He was so good. Yeah, his character actually is really cool, too, uh, once you get to understand the full situation. Yeah, and you kind of see, like, his own arc in here, which is kind of cool and refreshing mm-hmm. to see not just i'm a bad mean cop yeah it's not just he's not just a villain and then brenda song who's a disney actor from things like the uh sweet life with zach and cody uh woody woo um, homecoming warrior yeah, homecoming warrior <laughs> um she's really uh really good in this as well i think man, it's funny because when you watch other people play anybody who knows who she is always refers to her as brenda instead of her character's name like, i don't even know what her character's name we just i don't know here's brenda um, Justin Smith, who is the kid from uh, Detective Pikachu, and he's also going to be in the new uh, Dungeons and Dragons film with Chris Pine and all that. Um, Ariel Winter, who played the nerdy daughter on Modern Family, she was really good. Yes, yeah. she, she almost unrecognizable. Yeah, like um, honestly, it was really weird because you look at her IMDb, she doesn't look anything like her Modern Family character. You can see her character a little bit here, except she just doesn't have the glasses, um, and the voice. It's get. a little changed, just a little bit. Yeah, and then like you, the hillbilly family, you kind of have like Ethan Suple, who is from My Name Is Earl. 
he's trying to look at the magic uh, picture fo- uh, photo in the mall in the movie Mall Rats. The one where it's a schooner. Yeah. Dude, he got freaking buff. Yeah, he was like really like, fat back shit. in the day. And even my name my my name is Earl, he was kind of heavy set and then he lost all that weight and became a bodybuilder. Uh Lance Hendrickson, who we know from Aliens and a bunch of other films, who played the patriarch of the of the Hillbilly family. Was he? Yeah, he's a man. Matriarch's the mother. He's the father that's mo- and there's a mother. That's it. And then Lynn uh Lynn Shea, who's from uh better known from Insidious. Uh, something about Mary and Kingpin is where I think I first saw her at. He's the landlady in Kingpin. He was like, got to pump and dump. Yeah. Uh, she does really great in this. And then David Arquette, who we all know from Sc- from Scream, or like Eight League of Freaks, uh, really good. He's very small. And they, they, I think they pumped up his part really big in the marketing because they wanted to like, look, David Arquette, horror movie actor in our horror game. Not but so much in here. Not really. But basically, um, we're not gonna spoil too much for you, but like the story is, camp uh, a camp is being set up, really weird. It's being set up in like July, uh, so like it's yeah. it's for two months. It's like, like July and August, and like David Arquette is the camp, uh, the main camp counselor. All the kids are the camp. He owns the camp. He owns the camp, and then the kids are the camp counselors. And then you pick up, you start the story in the prologue before camp starts, and then the real main story starts after all the kids have left camp. And the counselors are stranded there for one night because the uh, van's not working, and so they got to stay there one last night. And then all the shenanigans happens. Has a little bit of a supernatural feel to it, but it kind of really plays up the obvious of what it's going to be. So you'll probably guess what's going to happen. Um, but does a great job of doing what horror movies do, where it's like, here's your prologue, here's some characters who possibly get uh, killed or something happens to them, and then boom, somebody comes back. You're like, oh shit, that's the person from the beginning. And then they kind of explain stuff. Yeah. It's actually, it's done really well with all the tropes that you would expect from a whor- 80s horror slasher, um, but also done really well. And it's fun because your choices can completely derail shit if you fuck it up. Yeah, and... It is a little forgiving. You do have three chances to go back and fix a mistake. Like if, say, you got Brenda killed or, you know, one of the counselors killed by accident. It gives you the option, if you haven't used them up, to go back to be able to fix it. But sometimes it might take you back to a chapter or two. So then you have to replay two chapters to get back so you don't. Yeah, there was yeah, one point like where we got to the end of a chapter, made a decision, and then got fucked up. Uh, got uh, fucked up. That decision caused something else to happen in the next chapter, and to go fix it, we had to go back to the previous chapter to to fix, to fix that decision that we that we made. So, I would say that's the only time where it's like, oh wow, I got to replay a lot of it. Um, and I feel like that might have been the one one of the few spots where there was a decision that was kind of based like that, where it would uh, bridge that way. Yeah. Um. The other cool part about it is, like you said, the the lives because that's something that Until Dawn didn't have. You go you go play through Until Dawn, and then get to a point and fuck up, and then like you just killed everybody, and there's no going back to fix it unless you had a previous save somewhere. Um, or you restart that whole chapter and have to replay like yeah. two hours. Um, so I think they did a really good job with adding that aspect to it to give you the chances to do that. Um, like I said, it plays out very very well. Um, it makes me feel like I'm looking forward to whatever the next game that uh, Supermassive actually does. Yeah, uh, and I hope it's more along the lines of, like, The Quarry and Until Dawn, where it feels like 
a movie, not like here's this little segment of a game type thing. Yeah, because like Man of the Dawn felt like here's a drawn out movie movie game, but it didn't feel compelling. Even though they had like Sean uh, Ashton in it and uh, a few other well known actors, it kind of just was like, man, this just isn't a compelling story. It's it's like okay, so the quarry is like an actual movie. Man of Medan was like a TV movie, so it was like yeah. a step down. That's what it definitely felt like, and like so that's what I compare him to. And Little Hope just was like we got we couldn't get past the first act just because it's like the stupidity of these people. People weren't making good decisions. It's like oh the bus crashed, let's all leave and let's and oh we split up and we got separated and let's all do it's like why would you leave? No, you would stay by the bus because guess what? Where are they going to check? Oh, along where the bus crashed. And plus. It's like bus is blocking the whole route, so somebody's going to come by eventually. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that, that game, just the logic that people were making to make sense, where this, you have some stupid characters, and you, the funny thing is you have characters in this game that, like, you feel like, wow, I hate this character, they're shitty, and, like, then you get some one-on-one time with them, like, okay, this person's not as shitty as I thought they were, or, all right, this person is as shitty as they, as they were. <laughs> There's, like, at least one character where I'm like, he's a piece of shit. This sucks. Yeah. Um. But like, I know the popular girl is definitely one. I was like, wow, she's kind of the ditzy, you no know, bully popular girl. And then you actually get some more insight to to who she is later on, which actually made you made her more likable. Um. Which I think is that where that's where this is really strong. You got you got enough time with the characters where you didn't feel like it was dragging on, and you actually got to care about the characters in the game. Yes. And when you find out what the plot is, you actually kind of understand how. What choices you can make to try and get the best outcome, um, but you never, you never know. Um, the one thing that I think almost everybody missed in this game when I see playthroughs online, though, is the epilogue stuff, which is the fact that throughout the game you collect clues and evidence, and there's even a point where the characters say, "Hey, tarot cards." Well, the tarot cards are like, "Hey, here's a hint on how to make a decision in the future." I'm talking about, "Hey, here's the evidence and clues you find about what's going oh, on." Yeah. Um, because you those are all like collectibles, right? You can find them, collect them, great, cool. You found these collectibles, um, but they actually do have an effect, but only an effect if you go into the menu and you actually start reading what they all are and activating the new the new connections that they create, which the game never tells you to do. Um, like I said, there's a point in the game where the characters say, "Hey, uh, we need to take pictures and collect evidence of everything we find because I don't think the police are going to believe." Way through the game at that point, you're like, oh, shit, what have I been missing? But the thing is, like, if you've picked everything up, you can, at any time you can just go to the pause menu, look at your clues and evidence, and then start unlocking these extra connections, which are marked with a box with an explanation mark. Like It's going to be a question mark when the, you don't have the connection, and an explanation mark when you do, and you can unlock it. Because when we first played through it, not knowing that we had to go do that, the epilogue at the end is a podcast talking about what's going on in the area and and newspaper articles about what happened that night. And so, like, you have a few outcomes, which one could be, like, we got, like, hey, camp counselors go on a murder massacre. And it's like, well, that's what happened. What the hell? We found all this evidence. And then I went back, and I actually unlocked all the connections. And then it actually goes through different news updates of what actually happened. You get different endings that way. Um so that's something that I think a lot of people probably play through this and just got the uh, camp counselors go on a murder massacre at this camp where you can actually get different outcomes and endings. You can get the right people arrested that need to be arrested, that type of stuff, uh, if you go through the clues. So you actually have to hit start, go through clues and evidence, and like unlock things there. Otherwise, you end up missing out on that part of it. And then 
also to add on to that or to the podcast on Spotify, they do have a little six piece uh, podcast with those podcasters for the quarry. And it ties into the story of the quarry as well. Yeah, it was really good. And actually, I think they did the last update. They might have added that into the game somewhere where you can actually find all the podcast, uh, listen to the uh, podcast that's on Spotify. The stuff on Spotify is like a prequel of what uh, before the events that happened. And then um, the podcast plays off at the very end during the game game's credits about what happened during the game. Um, it's pretty funny because like you, it's it's basically done like the unsolved formula, and which is a surprise since the girl who's doing it is one of the one of the main people who were on BuzzFeed a, a long time ago. The girl with uh, black hair. Yeah. Um, but basically you have the, per- the chick who's like really into supernatural and believes all the ghost stories. And then you have the complete skeptic who doesn't believe it at all. Um, so their dynamic playoff like unsolved and is really, really good. Uh, it's so I, I definitely so recommend what listening to the podcast, which they're really short episodes are like 10 to 15 minute episodes. I think it's for the last one, which is, uh, a bit longer, about 30 minutes. Yeah, I think so. 30 or 45 minutes, <laughs> but well worth the listen. Yeah, and then again, like I said, if you do go through the evidence that you find, the clues that you find, their podcast kind of changes at the end, and the ultimate ending of what happens to everybody changes based on you going through that. But that's like one of the downfalls that the game doesn't clearly explain that to you. Yeah. Um, but it just means you have to <laughs> replay the game. <laughs> yeah, which I think it has a lot of cool replayability, unlike uh, some games where you're like, ah, this game's really long, I really don't want to have to go through this again, but you can change up quite a bit. Um, so definitely recommend picking it up. Uh, the eighties outfits, eh, they're okay. There wasn't that, wasn't that, that like stunning. Um, I was hoping for more like a Friday the 13th, uh, look. Feel, yeah. 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 It was just like, yeah, here's people wearing polos and bright color sh- uh, pants and shirts. Like, all right. Yeah. Some of their nineties, their modern day outfits look, look better. Look about eighties anyway, cause it's making a comeback. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely pick up the quarry. 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 The other game that we'll talk about is As Dusk Falls, which just came out on Game Pass. Um, this game too. This is more of a book. Yeah, more of a uh, viewing experience with just quick time events. Where the quarry is, you have to move around. You have to quick time events. You have to go and p- find things and pick them up and interact with stuff. <clears throat> where this is just you're watching it and quick time events are going to pop up as the story goes through and you're going to have to make decisions on what the characters do which will change the path um so it comes in basically two books but nice thing is it's all one package it's not like hey here's one now you're gonna have to wait six months for them to come out with book two like a telltale game or something um so you know it plays off and it's done in, a, in an art style that's very um kind of I don't know, like somewhat water watercolor, like a little bit watercolor, yeah. Um, but you have choices that will affect how the game plays. We've completed book one already. So let me talk about book one. Yeah, which uh basically is all the trailers are shown, which is that there's like a hostage situation at a old motel in the middle of this nowhere town in Arizona. Yeah, in Arizona. So you have a family who's just passing through. Who uh, end up having a breakdown and have to stay at this motel. These criminals kind of come in there, end up holding everybody hostage. The police are after them. 
and you have to make all these different choices uh, to protect your family, um, to help out the cops or not help out the cops. Um, it gets very complicated, and it's done very well because it's like, hey, the people at the motel to like a lot of the sheriff's kind of a dude, kind of an asshole. Nobody likes him, and then he kind of proves that to him. But like, do you want to help him so you can stop the uh, criminals from hurting your family, or do you want to help the criminals because you don't like the uh, sheriff? It gets lots of twisted turns, and the cool thing about it is that it has a um, has a decision bridge at the end of every chapter, so you can see how different every how scenario much you can, can branch be. off. Now it doesn't show you what those other decisions were that you didn't make or until you go through and play through it again, but it's kind of like um, Detroit being human, mm -hmm. where that also has that butterfly bridge of hey, here's all the decisions you made and all the branching paths it could do and the game has a lot of different branching paths so it's very interesting where you can go with it and i say that definitely would drive the replayability to say hey let's make different decisions and see what happens or see how we end because almost every ending to every chapter has, has like, like three or four different yeah at least options. two two to three different uh ways it ends it uh That's with, what you just said. <laughs> with, with the paths oh i don't think it's up to four i didn't see one that had four different options at the you end can vote or in the second maybe the second chapter <clears throat> but you can have a bunch of like up to four to five different branching paths that all come down to maybe two to three different types of endings for that path and that path is not necessarily the ending of the chapter it's like the ending of that scenario and at least two each chapter has like two points of views that you end up playing through yeah um uh sometimes the point of view is a flashback to like a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago to get a different perspective on this character's point of view too. Yeah, and like how they will interact further down in the story. Yeah, basically you end up setting up personalities in the past to basically set up options for yourself in the future. So if you're somebody who's more compassionate, you'll get more compassionate options later on for their situation. If you're somebody who's more strict or ruthless, they'll probably be more ruthless actions taken later on based on what you did in the past so it works out really well where you don't feel like you're wasting time going in the back or going in the past with the flashbacks um everything feels like it's what it should be it feels i like how it's episodic because it feels like a really good like netflix show or something yeah and like the past of like does come into play for what's currently happening too yeah i mean i think there's well, it was in book two that there was one decision that we made. that was like, obviously, I know what's going to happen by making this decision. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the other stuff, we did not know how that was going to affect stuff. That and was it was interesting how it all turns out in the end. You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Glad I did that. Or, oh, shit, maybe I should have done that. Yeah, we still got to finish that one. That one has options to play online with people, play at... Uh, couch hall, on couch you don't have to have a controller for it either you can do uh on mobile and basically everybody gets options to make a decision everybody votes on what they want and who whichever option has the most uh votes wins or everybody gets i think a certain number of like uh overrides where they say no no that's what everyone's saying i'm gonna say we make this decision and you can do that so you can do it either via mobile or controller um or online uh with other people and you can actually I do a Twitch option where it lets the Twitch uh, audience. audience make decisions as well. Uh, so they may override what you want to do with scriptural. So that'd be really interesting to do with a, with a uh, big Twitch audience to see what they end up deciding. Um, so it, it should, and it gives a lot of fun to play and it turned out a lot better than I thought. Because when I saw trailers for it, I was like, 
well, the music is good. This, uh, it looks interesting, but I feel like this could be a long, be a drag of a game to play. And actually, it goes by really fast. Right? Like, like, your heart done? is constantly pounding. It is such a suspenseful game. There's no horror element. It's just one of those suspense type thrillers. Yeah, I would say done really well. And going through the first book and then starting the second book as we've already finished one chapter of it. Um, it's it, it, <laughs> it keeps doing it, so it's like it's still good. It hasn't let up or hasn't got to a point where we felt like this is boring. There's only two more chapters left to it, so I feel like it's going to get really good. Um, so I definitely recommend that. And that's also available on Game Pass. So if you have Game Pass, free game, check it out, play it. Um, I'm pretty sure you'll enjoy it. And I think playing it with friends again is a good thing. I mean, that's the whole kind of thing with all these uh, games is that these are games that invite your friends over, have like a barbecue or something, and play this game with them on the couch with you. I will say that this particular game... Uh, it's easier for a uh, couch co-op and for friends to come over because the chapters are about an hour or a little less long. Yeah, I feel like you could finish the, both books of this maybe one day where um, the quarry, the quarry, like depending on dedication, people, <laughs> if people have to go home to take care of their pets and stuff, you're not going to finish it because, like playing through it, like I said, it took us nine and a half hours and we didn't even get all the pickups. I mean, there's things that we missed. Um, so it could take you longer playing a couch co-op uh, with your friends. Um, but still fun experience to play with people. I mean, when our friends come back, we'll probably finish the game we started with them uh, to see how things go. Oh, for sure. Um, but these are very cool interactive things to play and watch. Very much on the line of like uh, Bell, which is a cool, very visually stunning movie to watch. Mm -hmm. So definitely recommend we watching Bell to see, what, like, hey, what do you think of it? Uh, do you think it was as good as everybody at the Cannes Festival thought it was? Or do you think it was kind of like, well, kind of confusing and, and lost like it, like we thought, but they had a good ending on a good note? Um, and definitely check out The Quarry and uh, uh, as Dust Falls. Dust Falls, like I said, Game Pass. So free game if you have Game Pass already. Go go pick that up. There's no excuse not to play that. Quarry can be a bit expensive. Do you need to get like the full price one that has the 80s outfits and the uh extra filters kind of, fil and filters stuff. and no. gore fests not necessarily um you can if you're really into horror movies and like the genre a lot um but otherwise it's a great game even if you just get the base the base version of it and both games easily replayable yep you'll definitely so have worth the money for both and like i said if you ever if you played until dawn and you really like that you like this one even more so because it loses the stupid PlayStation <laughs> six axis bullshit where like you put the controller down and then it thinks you moved because it rumbled itself or some shit. Um, so definitely like the quarry probably better out of the two just because it doesn't have that feature. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, well, there's our show for today. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, keep crusading out there and definitely let us know in the comments below what you think. Be sure to uh, like and subscribe our podcast. You can find us on uh, Apple and Spotify and wherever you usually find your podcast at. Where I believe we're on just about everything. Uh, so please like and subscribe and give, tell us what you think. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.